OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Good morning. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Potvin, and let's welcome our investor today, which is Arjit. How are you? Hi, I'm doing perfectly fine. How are you doing? Uh, very good, thanks. Very good. Uh, where are you calling in from today? Well, I'm from India at the moment, stuck here, of course, because of COVID. Oh, I don't know if, if stuck is the right word. It's pretty awesome in India, so I guess uh, you're, you're in a good place and you're in good hands. Yeah, of course. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to jump on a call today with us. We're obviously excited to learn more about your background and all the great things that you've accomplished and how you can help uh, within all of the entrepreneurial communities. But the best way for us to start is if you could give us a little bit on your background, uh, kind of where you've come from, uh, the great company you've built all the way through to where you are today. And then one thing about you that nobody would know. Sure. Well, uh, I started back in 1998. So I run uh, India's one of the oldest uh, game development uh, studio called Virtual Infocom. So it was, um, of course, long back when I was 17 years old. I just passed out of uh, my schools. I decided that I'll be probably starting uh, a company. Instead of joining a company as an employee, I will create employment. And the reason I chose uh, game development as a line, because I used to draw cartoons. I used to create comics when I was in school. And that actually was a passion, which I started in class fifth standard or sixth standard, writing and drawing comics in a continuous mode. And I used to be thrown out of my history classes because I used to hate history. And on those history classes, I used to draw comics and the teacher used to see me because I was a third venture all along. And he used to see that, okay, this guy, this fellow is drawing comics. So I should ask him to quietly leave the class instead of, you know, creating some kind of funny moment. But what exactly I was doing? I was actually digging the science behind all those epics, all those mythology, which is hidden under Sanskrit. So probably that was the passion which drove me to connect the art, history, science, all together. And I found that if I need to tell the story to the world, one of the best possible option is to create an interactive platform. And I found in 1998, one of the best option is to create interactive movements utilizing animation and people call it as game development. I used to travel to a lot of different places in my city with, of course, my bicycle, I used to play, I used to visit a lot of cyber cafe. So if you remember, uh, Google didn't exist that time. Google probably just started in Silicon Valley and we never ever heard about the search engines. It was uh, early days of Windows where I started uh, PC with Windows 95 with all those floppy disks without thinking of high-end memories. So as a kid, when I started, of course, I tried to think of building an empire, but I failed. I failed the reason is I was too early for the market. On that time in India, nobody was talking about game development, at least in Calcutta. So I'm actually from Eastern part of uh, India. 
the city called Calcutta, wherein we have a lot of culture, a lot of literatures, a lot of scientists who usually come forward. Um, I started talking to people. I started going towards the movie industry, film directors, wanted to make them understand what exactly I'm talking about. Probably that will help them to create their marketing campaign. But somehow, because I was too early, uh, I couldn't probably uh, sell myself. So the story goes like this for my life story. Um, when I was struggling for next one year, I decided not to struggle, rather create a different kind of pool uh, of starting an academy. So virtually Vukom started its first academy in the year of 1998, uh, 1999, early days, probably in the month of March. And I had only one student. I decided that I'm gonna create my own employment pool and we are going to create a great game and then probably sell it to the market. There was no concept of investment. There was no concept of how sales will happen. It was all passion. So out of passion, the first student from one student, it became 20, 20 became eventually 500. So I was teaching like, you know, from morning to night, I became a professional faculty inside my own institution. And parallelly, I was doing my graduation. So I left science and I joined economics, statistics and mathematics as a combination so that I can understand and learn about a bit of business. Um, after two years, continuous uh, work with passion, virtual income became probably inside my blood as probably a red blood corpuscle or something like that. So when I was sleeping, I was sleeping on that concept. I was eating on that concept. And eventually we created our first game title, which is based on Indian epic story. And then I actually started talking to people with that prototype, giving them a free demonstration, utilizing on those days, CD came in the market. So we burned one CD, put in a nice cover on the top of it. And then uh, I started talking to people who can actually market it inside the market. So somehow I got my first break from one of the CD reseller. And he really loved that game. And he said that would love to market your product, would love to become your partner. So we signed an agreement with a 50%, 50% revenue sharing basis. Uh, that became a little bit of hit, at least in uh, uh, local market. And then we made a basic amount of money through which we can create a proper production house. So that's my story. That's how we started. That's amazing. Um, I have a very similar upbringing, I guess, when it came to uh, working in the video game space. Mind you, I wasn't working it. I was playing the games and uh, my brothers and I would uh, host and run off the servers that we had in our basement that we built up and we would play video games till all ends of the night and mornings um, virtually. It was a lot of fun, of course, but we would do land games, have buddies come over and, you know, set up speakers everywhere and so that we could yell at each other. We never took it to the level of turning it into a business back then, because when you look at it now, how fascinating when you made these little tweaks and changes to your environment, you were actually building ways to be more interactive, but we didn't look at it at that time from how do we make this into a business, like setting it up like a PS three or PS two or four, when you had uh, headsets and you could talk to each other. So it's fascinating that while you were, in this space of learning and building off of a passion that you had, you actually took that to the next level and said, you know what, I'm going to make this into a business. It seems like there's a massive gap here. And then you started to kind of 
explore how that would work. So in that time period that you were exploring graphic design and putting this all together on a windows 95, which is way, way, way early. And uh, I'm sure your graphics efforts were uh, superseding what existed in the market. Um, what kind of pushed you into this space, especially being in, in India, you maybe you didn't have the same technologies back then. Like you said, Google wasn't even in India yet. It hadn't expanded. So it was so early in this space. You became a pioneer in driving this. Um, how did you find that people received you when you were trying to take this challenge on? It wasn't uh, coming up with a service business or anything else. You were going right deep into tech when tech was in its infancy. So how did you find that people were taking you as a business? Were they taking it seriously? Did they understand what you were doing or this was just totally blowing people's minds? Okay, to be very honest, I, I got a tagline uh, after my name, Arijit Mad, M-A-D. So uh, when I was talking about high technologies and uh, it's not about only making games, I was actually on that time, I was talking about converting real models into game characters. So of course people will think that I'm uh, probably a crazy guy, which is unthinkable, at least from Indian perspective. But uh, we actually didn't stop there. Uh, so whatever I think, uh, my friend, uh, I always execute. And that's how probably is our secret sauce in the company. So what I thought that I'll be integrating a real actor and actress inside our game. In 2008, we released our first game based on another Indian mythological character called Ashatthama, uh, the model, wherein we integrated uh, real actor and actress. We hired them literally and simulated them, took their 360 degree pictures, and then converted them into gaming character. Smartphone revolution was coming, Ultrabook was coming in the market. We became partners with a lot of different MNCs and we started making games with real actor and actress. And eventually they became our partners, they became our consumers and customer. How, I'll tell you that. Probably a lot of people don't know it. Uh, maybe I never ever shared this information to the audience yet. Um, so as a, as, a, as a celebrity, as a local celebrity, people feel that I am popular in maybe Bengali movies. I'm popular in Hindi movies, which is local language. But when you create a game and then you publish it worldwide properly with publishers, with partners, they became popular through our games. So eventually what happened, these celebrities, they came to us, said, could you manage us? Could you manage us as a person? So I said, okay, we can do that. We can make you as a digital asset and we can do a lot of different events, shows, and that encouraged me to create another entity which is separate from Virtual Bacom called Glamour Pace, which eventually became a platform for all these actors, actresses, photographers, musicians. We evolved in, in due course of time and uh, we didn't stay, you know, uh, put a, a dot into that particular uh, concept. We moved more. We started going to poorest poor villages in India, trained people how to do fashionable garments, superhero costumes. And we started probably our own cosplay show in India. And we started selling them through a particular portal, utilizing our network and uh, brand building. And probably in 2008, uh, since 1998 to 2008, uh, I was never got any kind of mentoring. I mean, nobody could probably 
support me or maybe understood or maybe I couldn't been able to make them understand what exactly I'm trying to do. So I thought, let me give back to the community, maybe as a mentor, maybe I can, maybe I can help them out as an investor or probably as a guide. Whatever I have learned for last 10 years, if I can give it back to the, you know, to the market, maybe to the world, I'll be happy enough. So uh, from, from a game development studio, we slowly evolved into, I don't know, a mix of fashion garment industry, a mix of cosplayers, a mix of actor, actress. So I started floating different, different small, small entities. And, uh, and I, I, I did my first investment into a complete different uh, sector, which is nowhere related to gaming. It was actually an online delivery and uh, on doorstep solution on specs. I was, I was getting a reading from the market that market will evolve towards augmented reality and virtual reality. Okay, by heart, I am a, I'm a programmer and I'm an artist. I do decent amount of coding. Uh, probably learned a self-learner, uh, did a couple of certificates. So what, I, what we did, we used to send uh, people, rather I would say uh, optometrists, to people's home and they used to check their eye and then we used to check their face, recognize it, and then we used to tell them that what kind of frame do you need for your face? And they used to choose it, give order. That was my first initial investment. I took an exit uh, after four years after that investment. But yeah, I understood that how investment ballgame can be done. And uh, eventually entered uh, as a mentor into a lot of incubation centers. Uh, floated different kind of uh, verticals of business which can eventually connect with each other. That was the game plan which started around uh, 12 years back, 2019, 2009 onwards. And uh, slowly I felt that probably this is the right time to enter into the market as an angel investor and create a couple of uh, connection into the world with uh, people like me who actually understand, who can actually take the risk who are basically risk takers and uh, probably they can support each other. Um, after four years, uh, uh, we, we together created an angel syndicate based out of US and we brought that entity into India, registered over here. And then eventually we floated another investment banking company in Australia with three of uh, our partners, which eventually becomes, we eventually becomes brothers and sisters. So we, we did that. So from that point of view, if you ask me, uh, a boy who was an artist and a programmer eventually learned uh, probably a little bit of uh, understanding of entrepreneurship, probably sales skills, slowly became a different person, which is opposite side of the table. So for me now, I understand the, the struggle of any entrepreneur who is bootstrapping. I understand what exactly a bank is talking about. So I'm into advisory council of a lot of different uh, banks. And of course, I serve them as a consultant. Uh, I took those kind of roles intentionally so that I can learn and understand what is going on in the market. Learn the highest curve of uh, VC fund creation to execution. Understood the IQ model, did a couple of deals, uh, negotiated a couple of deals for people. So from that perspective, if you ask me the question, I'm coming back to your, your question that uh, 
you asked me that, what exactly people don't know about me. So probably the secret was, I used to be an introvert person. But now, I talk almost every week, maybe two to three days in a week, as a keynote speaker into multiple different uh, platform. I really don't want to name them. Probably I crossed, uh, I stopped calculating after uh, my uh, uh, 700th speaking slot. So probably deep inside, I'm still that introvert person who really, really understand how to convert himself into a salesperson and probably to become a good public speaker. So probably that was that was a secret which maybe I have never ever shared with anyone. And um, another aspect, when I tell people, we have our HR team, but the instruction to the HR team is we never ever recruit people who are probably coming from uh, uh, exact programming background. Rather, we encourage people to come to us, tell us they don't know anything, but they are great in stats or maths or logic. So we take them as an intern, train them up, and then grab them as our programmer. Same thing goes with the artist team. We usually encourage people who are good in proper, normal, usual, traditional art. And then if there is a, you know, addition that they, they know uh, graphic design or probably 3D or maybe 2D in computer, that's added advantage. But we don't recruit people who are only digital artists. We get people who are traditional artists. It solves a lot of issues, a lot of issues. So probably that's two things that I'd love to share with you. Well, I like that. That's um, that's awesome and, and quite the endeavor. So I guess what you're what you're really doing is you're looking for people that have a small subset skill and you're trying to increase their skills. So just as you did when you started off as just a programmer or just an artist, you layered in and layered in until you continue to grow and learn, but you use that core as being your strong suit. And then you layered on all the digital aspects that would help you expand and grow not only yourself, but your business at the same time, which is the same thing you're doing with um, other local artists or uh, designers. Yeah, true. I, I learned uh, it in a very hard way, to be very honest. To do business, you need uh, actually three things. One, um, your networking capability. How do you network? It's not about how many people you know, it's opposite. How many people know you? Okay. Second, the biggest part of it, passion and execution should be one. Um, I don't call any field entrepreneur as a field entrepreneur. Any, any entrepreneurship is actually such a story for me. It's a learning curve. But the reason they don't get success, the reason is sometimes they mix the passion part with the execution part. When you are working, when you start your own company and you say that I am CEO of my company, CEO is a post. CEO doesn't mean you are only the founder. Okay. But as a CEO, you need to take harsh decisions. That's required. As a founder, maybe you are not taking a lot of decision which is really, really hard or maybe uh, very rough. But if you are running an organization, you need to be rough. You need to be very precise and specific what exactly you're doing. The reason is, until unless you are not running a charitable organization. 
The reason is, if you don't make money, you cannot pay your employees, you cannot do good for your company, you cannot do good for the society. To have to be that rough. The third point, which I firmly believe, creating great ecosystem is the key to success. I have seen, I mean, maybe I'm wrong or right, I don't know. Maybe people can say, I have seen that uh, in life, a lot of company, they start, they, they struggle to survive. And then when you need someone, they usually cry for it. I need someone to, you know, safeguard myself, save me from my problems. But from the initial days, maybe after starting your own venture, maybe after a year, if you are building an ecosystem or be a part of the ecosystem, it helps a lot. Being in touch with people is one of the key of success. And uh, the fourth and last point I would love to share with you, uh, create a great team. Team doesn't mean that you have how many employees. It doesn't matter if you have 10 employees or 100 employees. Employees will be employees. They will come, they will work for you, they will stay with you, they will move to some other organization. But your team is the group, the core, who knows your secret, who have the same vision, same kind of passion. They are not working with you for money. They are with you to build money along with you. If you don't have that, probably you are doing some amount of mistake. It's not easy if you are probably uh, a single man army. I understand if you are maybe a promoter of your company, but until unless you understand the ball game, how to create a great team, it may not happen that you can create a great organization. It will only become a company. Building an organization requires these kind of skill set. You need to be open enough to understand what you don't know and where you lack. So if I can tell that I am lacking one, two, three, four, five, and I can bring these people in the team who can actually enhance those kind of skill set, that's what I call as a great team. And probably as an investor, people are looking for such kind of a great team-oriented company wherein they can bang on to that team, not to a particular one person, one man army. No, I love that. And, and what is great about the four points that you brought up the last one being around the team, the way I liked it is, um, and in some of your other podcasts is that when you dived into the team side, uh, you really structure it differently from saying that there's people you pay and then there's people that are part of your team and growth. They've got your back. They're there to support you. They could be there forever as long as X. So what is that as long as X, what does that mean to you? Like, what does that person how do you get that person to be on that team? How do you get them to be part of that founding team, if you will, or the ones that want to make you money? What makes them different from someone that's getting paid? And how do you delineate the two? Is it through compensation? Is it through the hours they put in? What really defines that person so that you know they're part of your core team? Okay, so if a person is actually with you for only the percentage, I think uh, it's, it's a hard decision to make whether he's a... Uh, team member of yours. Um, it actually depends on person to person. But for me, if I'm taking someone as a core team, um, I would probably take my sweet time of maybe three months to four months to understand each other. And once 
once he or she says, I want to be with you in your journey because I really love the vision of the organization, not only you, I love the company. I think that's the key for you to understand this is the right kind of teammate for your organization to bring in. It cannot be opposite. It cannot be like, say for an example, I want you to be a part of uh, one of my venture, maybe yoga training for you. And I'm saying that, you know what, you love yoga, you do that, you understand the nutrition, please come and join me. No, it should be opposite. You should be able to see my vision in the same eyes. And you should be able to see that where I lack and you should be telling me, Arijit, you know what? You're running yoga training for you, but I feel that your website design doesn't actually match with the kind of work that you're doing. I'm just giving you a rough example, okay? And I should be open enough to accept that. Criticism is important. So if you get someone on board who can actually criticize you and tell you on your face, and you can absorb that particular person, then probably the relationship can build and can happen. And it may happen that he or she is becoming your great team member. That's what I feel. Perfect. And I think that there's a way to evaluate everything. And if you're not spending your time learning about how to evaluate your team, uh, you may find that not everybody has that same vision. So I think being critical and accepting criticisms is huge. But I think that all goes back to, again, is that they've got your back and learning who has your back in this process. Um, and I think that's, that's great uh, feedback. And I, I also like the first point too. Well, they all were great points, but the, the number one point was building a network and understanding how that network works. And I think a lot of startups have this fear that they don't want to provide too much insight into their business out to the world. They don't want to let the cat out of the bag. They're afraid they are always in stealth mode. And I think that those years of not promoting and pushing themselves kind of actually helps them, um, sorry, not helps, but decreases their value because they're not out networking. They're not out talking about their business. Is there anything that you can share that would help a startup better realize that the more marketing, the more branding, the more push, the more you get out there, the more you network, the more you talk is going to actually be a plus to your business and help you grow? Okay, so if the question is from the startup perspective, I really firmly believe that you need to network. It may not happen that you are sharing each and every detail of your business, but you should be able to talk about probably what is your USP and why you are there and what exactly you're building and what help you need and what help you can do. It's pretty important. And um, maybe when you're growing, maybe when you're big, I would never suggest that you should share your entire history, what you're doing in social media. There are people, there are competitors who may be watching you and they may affect you. But when you're growing, please understand, when you're a startup, you're bootstrapped. People have already affection for you. They usually love that somebody is building something, they usually support you. So until unless you ask for support, things may not mature, number one. Number two, doing things in stealth mode, of course, wow. If you are building something which is a product, which requires a lot of concentration, you really don't want to talk about it, perfectly fine. Not a problem on that. Let me not give you the answer in a, in a straightforward way. Rather, let me take your help of metaphor. Uh, if you have watched uh, a series called Justice League, it's not, I'm not talking about the movie, I'm talking about the real DC series. 
I'm sure that you have heard about a character called Batman. So if you feel you are Batman, you don't need anyone. Perfect, great. But then, when time is there, when you really can't execute alone, he also needs to create a group of people. He needs to handshake with other superpowers so that they can together solve issues in the entire world. Even Superman needs help. Even Wonder Woman needs help. So don't feel that we can do things all alone. Alone is good, great. But if you're doing it as a team, as a group, sharing your vision to others, which are same similar minded, do that. It helps. And I would love to probably share this information to you. Uh, in my initial days, I, I used to network like crazy. I used to meet people like crazy. Um, I didn't care whether people are calling me mad or crazy. It's perfectly fine. In my opinion, if somebody is telling you that you're crazy and you're you're doing something, you know, uh, completely odd, and people call you as mad, it's good. I'll tell you the reason. In my dictionary, mad, that very word, I translated into moderate, accurate, determined. So have these quality and be happy if people are calling you mad. Be happy if you are in a group of people who where nobody is understanding you, then you are in the right track. Some of the business, some of the product-oriented business is not for public. It can happen. But you can actually get a feedback where you lack. So networking is important over there, right? I like that. And uh, can you share the, the three letters again? M-A-D, what does it stand for? Moderate, accurate, determined. And determined? Yep. I love that. And I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you that um, uh, in the past, and uh, I would always look for early stage companies and I would look for founders and I would say, I look for psychotic founders, uh, but it didn't come out very well. People didn't really appreciate the word psychotic and thought it meant a bad thing. Uh, and to me, it meant mad. So just as you were saying that they were mad founders. Um, and then I had to, the other day I came up and shifted that a little bit to um, classifying them actually as another gear. So when you see LeBron James, they would always say he just had this extra gear that we didn't know about. And that's what the performance level was. So I think it's, it's very similar in the context of you're looking for people that have this extra gear that they're mad. Uh, but it, it's because they refuse to fail. They refuse to not let this work. And what I loved about your example um, on the team side, uh, taking the Avengers, is that you're right. It didn't just have one person going to battle and taking down all of the bad people. It was a team, a collective group that had to come together, figure out their indifferences, battle through their indifferences, but they did that together as a team to combat uh, all of these outside problems. And instead of saying they're combating other characters, they're just combating, uh, comp competing against the rest of the problems that this startup would face. So they're going to be faced with a lot of different challenges throughout from supply chain, uh, from coding all the way across. And I think sometimes we forget that these things are easier to tackle as a team, that people can have those expertise that you may not carry in accounting or in marketing areas that aren't your areas of um, top knot efficiencies. And you're going to be able to pin that person who's on that team that has your back 
that they're going to solve those problems because they care that the organization can thrive and grow and build into the future. So well said, well shared. The last kind of question that I would ask on this is that you've really uh, gave us some great points on how to get this company moving and get it off the ground and finding the right team. Now, how do you get them to understand what a scalable company looks like? Because as an investor, this is kind of a crucial piece for any investment is that you can have a great company and you can be doing the little things, but if you haven't put yourself into a scalable position, investors won't look twice. So what are the things that get added on to this business now that you've set up this great team? Uh, they've worked through their problems. They're growing. How do you scale that? Okay. So I usually rely on probably, uh, at the moment, to be very honest, uh, I invest as a group. Um, I don't invest only alone. Like if I'm investing, if I'm committing something, a couple of my uh, friends, I call them friends because we actually became friends for the last, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years or maybe more than that. So we know each other. Um, so the way we usually look at it, like uh, if I start this company, can I execute it? If I was in their position, what is my network? Can I execute it? And if I'm taking probably a timeline of 10 years to execute that, these guys whom I'm banging on, can they do it less than our time frame, better than ours? And if we probably bring our muscle power and money power into this, our, of course, the whole network, can it be a faster execution? If these things match, we usually go for it. So to be very honest, when we act as a VC, as a VC, our call is different, but when we act as a syndicate of angels, it's more of a gut feelings. Now, it's very difficult to explain how we take a decision on that particular time. Probably we are happy what's going to happen and maybe the impact that's going to happen. Sometimes we take a call wherein we don't see a lot of money is making, but maybe the impact is huge. So maybe sometimes we feel that, okay, it may happen that this person. Um, maybe can't give us a great return, but the impact that he is going to create is going to affect some other investments that we have done so far. So these are the things that probably we, we take into the consideration. Uh, I can go on with a lot of uh, technical jargon, technical words, but I really don't want to do that. I want to tell you the exact thing which you really wanted because this is a more of a, uh, I, I shouldn't say that this is a more of a corporate discussion that we are having. We really wanted to give what is there in our mind. So that's what we usually decide. And that's how we usually go for investment. And you mentioned uh, the angel VC side. So there's obviously two hats and two different times that these groups come in. Um, how do you, as a startup, how do you recommend they go about angel investing and approach? And how do you recommend VC approach? Okay. Um, it's more of like uh, raising a daughter and raising a son. So if you are raising a daughter, go for the VC way. If you are raising a son, probably, probably initially go with the angel way. Did I answer that with a metaphor? <laughs> uh, yes, but maybe you can expand on it. So um, the difference between the angel and the VC, I guess there's a big difference between raising a daughter and raising a son, but 
what is the difference between uh, if you are going to raise a son and you're going to to raise some angel dollars, is that from the mentoring side, the coaching side, and then VC side is obviously expanding and growing at a rapid speed and putting a lot of money into it. So one comes before the other, but how do you emphasize the difference between when and how you should operate within angel world and or VC and, or do you do both in uh, which one starts? I will, I will, I will answer this uh, in this way. Um, if you are really ready to share a lot of equity of your company and you are raising rounds after rounds, increasing the valuation, and then you are in the game of um, creating a value and giving return to your investors, the best possible route is to go with the VC route. VC will always bang on you to make money. And then when you are giving return, you are increasing probably your valuation and then bringing another set of investors. Maybe you are done with your seed round, and then after that, the growth round, then you are going for series after series. VC route is one of the best because they are coming as the proper so-called uh, boon to your company, which can actually make you much more bigger, which you have ever thought of. But at the same time, some of the founders, they have a mental blockage. You know, They feel that I'm probably diluting a lot of equity and this should be the calculation, that should be the calculation. Man, it all happens with the negotiation. There is no set rule, there is no set formula which you can define and say, I'm not going to dilute my 5% in next round. It never happens. It always happens on the, on the top of table. And this is the skill set, this is the kind of situation you're going to face when you are going for VC route. Now, if I may compare the angel route, some people, their product pipeline or maybe their service is meant for VC. Some people, some companies, that's meant for the angel round, maybe giving a good return, and then maybe sell it off or maybe grow or buy back the stock. So if you're in that kind of ball game, angel route is one of the best ways. So it completely depends on the company, completely depends on the organization that you're building. It may happen you are doing mix and mode. I usually love when an organization is raising funds step by step. Smaller rounds are the best. Smaller rounds are the best. To keep your company in your own hand, bringing some more people in, they are becoming more like mentor, guide, supporting you, and then you're growing, and then you're looking for a larger fund. Maybe you're going for private investor pool, or maybe you're going for... Uh, uh, the, the, the large amount of loan pool, there are private investment loan available also in the market. So that's one of the best possible feasible way, which I usually love for. So if I'm a, I'm a startup and uh, everything is validated and uh, we feel that, okay, we'll go for a round, I would rather take initially the angel round, learn, understand, then go for a VC round, step-by-step -step grow and go for IPO. That would what I would do. No, I like that. I guess uh, so. We'll we'll kind of transition a little bit here into um, we'll call this a new question because I haven't asked asked this before. But because of the um, merging market that's going on in India and the way that um, investors have been kind of really building up in India and starting to jump behind a lot of uh, a lot of these um, early stage companies. Uh, there'll be two questions. The first one would be, is there any company that you've invested in 
uh, that you really, really enjoy working with, or they're kind of uh, a hidden gem or something to that effect. Um, and then, uh, secondly, uh, what attracted you to them? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of, lot of test cases like that. Um, you're talking about India. Okay. I'll give you two examples. Very recently that happened. One example is a company based out of US. Very recently, I um, took a very small equity to that company. I never ever try for big equity. That doesn't actually make any sense for anyone. Neither for them, neither for me. Um, attraction actually happened because that guy is actually an ex-banker, wanted to do something on technology, created a prototype, uh, never wanted to raise money. He actually wanted some amount of uh, guidance from me initially. While creating the prototype, he understood he needs someone on board who is from the tech background. Uh, he was taking one person as a team member from some other resources. And then slowly we started talking with each other. I found there is a big need in the market and he's looking for a help rather than asking for money. Eventually when we started talking, he said that, could you please come on board? And uh, frankly speaking, he never ever asked for money. But eventually when time came, I myself say, do you need some amount of help? Do you need something to do? And he said, okay, if you are coming on board, if you are bringing maybe X amount of this, this is my timeline with this, I want to grow this product from prototype stage to manufacturing stage. And I want a couple of companies to come forward to do the marketing for it. And for that reason, I'm lacking this X amount of money. If you can help me with that. Before that, he offered me uh, a percentage in the company. So it actually shows me that guy is passionate enough. He's not looking for probably something which he usually asks for. People usually ask for a different thing initially. That gave me a comfort zone and understanding about his mindset. And I really liked the way he created the entire team. Coming from finance background, created a team of technologists is like, of course, some credibility, right? So that's one example. Second example, uh, a very recent uh, deal that, that happened uh, mainly into a hardware product. Uh, it's a product-based company based out of India. Um, I really don't want to disclose that name at the moment, but yeah, uh, I really love the entire business model. It's not about only the team. They are right now building the team uh, at the moment, but the way they thought of making the entire business structure, I loved it. I'll tell you the reason why. This is where probably uh, sometimes I judge people. In entire team, they don't have anyone who can understand finance properly. But their IQ level is such. These group of in engineers and two, three guys, normal graduate person from arts background, they are able to create a business model, which is not perfect. It's okay. But they became, within six months, they are now generating revenue. And their model was completely unique. That attracted me a lot. It, it talks a lot. And they decided to leave their career, so-called bright young guys, so-called usual traditional job, but to pursue it because they really want to do it. And, and most important point, they are not crying for valuation. They are looking for faster execution and expansion. 
And probably that was a key point for me and four of my friends to come forward and uh, invest into that company. If this helps. That helps. I love it. Um, and it's always good to understand how an investor looks at an investment and the things that get them excited and why they take the leap at such an early stage. So I think that's uh, very valuable. Um, and to kind of keep that storyline going around early stage companies, uh, perhaps you could share a story that really resonated with you on what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, how he or she would the struggles they may go through, the roller coaster to get from A to B. Is there a story that kind of resonates with you that just really shows what it takes to be a fantastic entrepreneur? Okay. Um, I'll take example of one lady um, based out of uh, Serbia. Um, she's about 43 now and started her first venture around four years back not very successful, struggling a lot. She created a dress which can actually, you can wear it for five, four different officials. Like you just remove some part of it, it becomes a fashionable dress. You add something, it becomes a corporate one, like that. Okay. Uh, I really loved her way of thinking. Passionate. She knows that Probably she is not building something which is a rocket science. It's very basic. But the entire three people team, they don't have a very big team. The entire three people team, they left everything to pursue their passion. And to pursue their passion, they are investing probably 16 to 17 hours in a day to get new consumer, new people on board and trying to get a lot of partners. When I met them, um, of course, online, in one of the uh, one of the event that we usually organize in our World Leader Summit, it's called uh, Business Symposium. They were sharing their business, their ventures, and all. And I found there's a there's a passion, it's a deep passion of uh, these three ladies who really want to make a mark. And probably they are not looking for anything else but some amount of uh, uh, someone to say that you are doing perfectly fine and uh, probably a good amount of media news wherein they can flourish and tell the world that this is what we are doing, this is who we are. So I have been through, my friend, I have been through a lot of such kind of stories, such kind of impressive, impressive people who are doing good work. I shouldn't say massive, good work, but maybe they lack PR, they lack media. It happened to me. It touched, it touched like anything, okay? So my first press news actually came out in 2007, half page long in Indian newspaper. I never ever went for it, somehow it happened. But when I am watching these kind of people, they are looking for some moment of maybe recognition and focus. Maybe as an introvert person, I usually go for it, try to help them. So what I did, initially I did a story about them, and then connected them with a couple of media newspaper in India, as well as in a few other places in Europe. They got a lot of blog news, a lot of video news, a lot of uh, podcast, and now they're becoming a little bit of popular. So maybe as a, as a person, we should forget that whether we are investor or you know working with VCs, rather, 
if we can help them like this without any expectation, I think that's the boon. And that's the value addition to the ecosystem. That's what I call as ecosystem. So probably this is needed. And I'm sure people like me, they are actually doing it without any expectation, without any return. And that will probably give us um, a hand-holding support. That will probably give us a great uh, opportunity to understand each other and work with each other. That's a great story. And, and I, I think it kind of attests to that uh, as an angel investor, as a founder and as a startup and as an uh, entrepreneur that giving somebody a, a leg up once in a while can really uh, go a long way. Uh, and you may not realize how far that can go by just working with somebody or promoting them or getting behind them a little bit. Those little things make a big difference in a startup world. Yep. Completely. I love it. Well, that's, that's a great story and uh, glad that happened because I'm sure that they're looking at their future a lot brighter today than they were before. So uh, kudos to you guys for, for that. Um, we're going to jump right now into our uh, rapid fire questions. So it's um, pick one or the other is the, is the right way to go here, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes, but we'll start with the business questions first. Are you ready? Yeah, but I have only eight minutes left. All right. Founder or co-founder? Co-founder. Unicorn or four-year 10X exit? Unicorn. Tech or CPG? Tech. Brand or tech? Tech. AI or blockchain? Both. You can't differentiate. First time founder or second or third time founder? First time founder. First money in or series A? Series A. Angel or VC? Angel. Board seat or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? Safe. Lead or follow? Lead. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? Sorry? Favorite part of investing? Sit round. Uh, no, sorry. Favorite part, like what do you like the most about investing? Oh, uh, creating great team and uh, building the organization. Okay. Uh, number of companies you invest in per year? 21. Preferred terms? Can't hear you. What? Any preferred terms? Oh, no. There is no preferred terms. Okay. Uh, verticals of focus? Focus. Uh, what's, what startup, when you make an investment into a startup, what stands out? Two things that stand out the most to you when you're investing? Team and business structure. Okay. Now we're going to jump into the personal side. Wow. Okay. <laughs> book or movie book superman or batman batman pizza pop or ice cream bar pizza pop five minutes with bezos or oprah opera arsenal or manchester united <laughs> arsenal yeah you're the second arsenal fan Woo! Uh, biker rollerblades. Biker. 
Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? Big Mac. Trophy or money? Money. Beer or wine? Wine. Alarm clock or mobile phone? None, body clock. Hotel or hostel? Hostel. I like it. Uh, the last question, based on all the things that have gone on with Trump, do you think this tax thing will put him in jail? No answer. Not to put my answer. Go on. <laughs> hey, man, we got to dive into it. All right. What's your favorite sports team? Um, okay. So I actually love, uh, different sports. So I am a lover of MMA. So I'm not sure whether that will help you or I don't know. 100% MMA is great. Big fan. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Favorite movie. And what character would you play in the movie? Avanti is an English classic. So of course the hero. Which one is it? Avanti. A-V-A-N-T-I. Avanti is an English classic. Okay. I'm going to look into it. Favorite book? Book. No, favorite book. Oh, favorite book. Um, okay, so I have a lot of favorite books, to be very honest. Uh, but yeah. Um, Bhagavad Gita. Say that again. Bhagavad Gita. All right. I'll get you to put that in the chat so that I can look that one up. I will write that for you. Here you go. Gita. All right, I'm going to look that one up too. Giving me lots of homework. <laughs> All right, and the last question we have is, what is your superpower? Silence. Silence. Okay, explain, explain, please. Okay, so, um, okay, here it goes within a minute. For the example, you are talking to me. Um, I'm, I'm talking to talking to someone. Like uh, we are we are chatting with each other, and you actually made me open it uh, somehow, some way. I never ever shout back. I never ever talk bad in your back. I will never ever talk nonsense in your back. I just take a root of wolves, so I will leave quietly. In life, I have learned that uh, if you are meant to meet me in that life line, life circle, you're going to come back to me again. So I'll be silent then. Once you have done probably something really bad to the world, I never ever, never ever understand a person what he or she have done with me because I am a small entity into a vast universe. But if your act is not good for humanity, that's a black book for me. There, I really don't communicate with them. I cut off, chop off everything. And I remove them from my life. But I never, never talk bad, or rather I become really silent. The reason it becomes a superpower, I'll tell you, people who do wrong things, they have a fear. So when you become silent and when you are not doing anything, they fear, they feel that what's the next step that he is going to take? That's probably my superpower. I like it. It's very clean and easy to, to manage. 
And uh, I do agree that uh, the world needs to shift the bad people out and let them go find other ways or avenues. But uh, in our universe or in our worlds, uh, we need to uh, keep scrubbing and iterating and, and removing the, the bad from uh, the good and keep working in that good direction. So um, I like that. That's great. And silence is a good way to treat it. Uh, well, Arjun, I want to say thank you very much for all of your time today. Uh, as I always do, I took lots of notes. Um, it was great chatting with you. I've learned a lot. I, I loved all the different points you put together. Um, but in summary, I think you're, you're doing a lot of great things in India and around the world. And we appreciate all the things that you have done. Um, and the way we like to end our show is we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to investors or to startups and to entrepreneurs, uh, we leave it to you. But again, thank you very much for all your insights and time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Probably uh, we should learn how to become like water. That's the key I really want to give to everyone. Um, a thought. Learn to be like a water. It helps a lot. I like it. Very well said. All right. That was great with um, Arjit. I shared a lot of great things. I enjoyed the whole mad piece of it. And I'm going to have to... Uh, dive back into the three, uh, um, that moderate accelerate determination, calling people crazy, mad, extra gear. Uh, I just like the way he kind of dove into taking something that everybody wasn't comfortable with and turning it into something that showed that he was a leader and a, and a real driver behind that. He had great four pieces that really defined what it takes to, uh, to drive out and get investment, uh, network, passion and execution, uh, build an ecosystem and build a great team, uh, and really define what those things look like. So, uh, really like that. And then from the investor angle, putting yourself in the startup shoes and at a time frame of 10 years and how can they get there? How would you get there? What would you do to execute? to win. And I just think that all of those things are very accurate in how to uh, really help people understand what it takes to be a startup, but also what it takes to, uh, for an investor to dive into a company and how they should be looking at investments. Um, great discussion. Thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify, Apple podcast and or Stitcher. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com. And for startup events, visit opn.ninja. Thank you again and have a great day.